it's good to be with you guys this morning. I am reminded that, you know, we uh, mourn with those who mourn as believers in Christ, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And these aren't always mutually exclusive, right? Like, I, I think that we're in a season, we're in a moment as a Gospel Tab family where we're mourning. Uh, we're mourning the loss of the Franklin Avenue gathering, you know, and especially those who are a part of that. That's something to mourn. And so um, we mourn for those who were here. You know, we mourn with those who mourn. And we also all rejoice, right, at coming back together. And in believing that the Lord has spoken to our leadership and given us a sense um, of unity around that, we rejoice at coming back together. And we rejoice with those who rejoice and in a kind of mutual submission out of reverence for Christ. Speaking of worship, that's an act of worship, right? Out of mutual reverence. It's not being fake. It's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you in this that you're feeling, that you're experiencing. And because we're a family on mission together. And I'm so excited for this season because God is clarifying and beginning to solidify our calling as a church to multiply emotionally and spiritually healthy people and also our calling to Aliquippa and what it is and what it isn't in its forms. And, you know, there are many expressions of that calling happening now from ministries like Beloved, Oasis, the Equip Bookstore, the Aliquippa Impact, and uh, several others. And we're wondering, what does that look like for us as a larger collective family in this next season by way of location and, and what God's saying in this season? And so we're praying into that. But we're excited about this call on us. And we also believe that God has placed us, right, as a local church in a much larger movement called the kingdom of God, right? <laughs> and God is moving and advancing his kingdom ultimately unto his return. And our place in that movement, we believe he's cultivating us in one of the ways that people get healthy and experience his grace is a house of worship, a joy-filled home, a healing home of praise. Amen. And so as we look at the word today and worship him in the word, um, you can turn on your devices to Acts 2, verses 1 through 13. It'll also be on the screen behind me. Um, and, uh, you know, Pentecost was one of four uh, major uh, Jewish feasts each year. The first was Passover. Passover was the day that Jesus Christ died for us, and it represented the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Um, there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Unleavened, representing being without sin. And ultimately then, right, representing Jesus Christ, who, is our, who had a sinless nature. Um, thirdly is the uh, Feast of First Fruits. It's the day on which Jesus rose from the dead as the first fruit among the dead. And anyone who's in Christ, like Bella, and like you, and like me, have been raised to newness of life through what Jesus did for us first, right? Well, today we're celebrating Pentecost, this fourth feast. It's a 24-hour feast that is practiced uh, by the Jewish people, and that people from all over the world, you'll see in this passage, were practicing that day. And do you know the first day of Pentecost? was actually on Mount Sinai, 
when Moses received by what the Aramaic translation referred to as the fire of God in the breath of God that created the Ten Commandments, that spoke into existence these commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. And then the fire would come periodically and rest on a physical place, the tabernacle, a kind of temple. That's important to keep in mind as we read this passage here today, right? So please stand in honor of God's word. There's a lot of um, hard, long, strange names to pronounce here, so I won't ask you to read with me this uh, this morning because of what's in the passage, but um, please follow along. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Alamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages, in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. You may be seated. (laughs) Well, a couple weeks ago, we received a word from a friend of this house. Some of you heard this in a time of ministry that was led by Jake. Um, But the, the crux of the word was that the enemy was sitting on our praise in this dream that he had. But that the fire of God went forth and prevailed against the enemy And we all encountered God in a powerful way together. And so it was this picture of a spirit of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And at the Franklin Avenue campus, they were experiencing um, up and through last week, and I was there, and it was a beautiful encounter with the Lord together. They've been experiencing the grace, the kind of grace that is the spirit of praise. And so whether... The word is a spirit of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Or the word for us is a spirit of praise because of the grace that's being shown to us. If God's speaking one word to us, (laughs) it's he is giving us a spirit of praise. By that, I mean praise that comes from the spirit of God inside you. Holy Spirit-induced praise. Grace to want to praise. Grace to praise him and give him his worth more freely more fully. You know, Pentecost is a reversal of Babel. Do you know what Babel is? The Tower of Babel? The Tower of Babel is a story um, in the beginning of the Bible narrative that talks about a people who would exalt themselves and seek to build a city unto its own name, to glorify and even deify itself meaning to to be worshipful of itself as though they were God 
and to exalt itself above God. Well, God in his great mercy, he divides them by confusing their languages. He divides them in proportion to the division in their hearts. The division in their hearts that said, I need significance, so I'm going to try to promote myself. The division in their hearts that believed a lie that they were already significant because God loved them. But God in his great mercy confuses their language, dividing them so they wouldn't destroy each other and themselves. But do you know that here we see the opposite, right? That here at Pentecost, Jesus pours out his spirit and the spirit gives languages to bring people together. That through these Galileans, they are speaking the native tongues of people who are there from all over the world. And can you see the obvious strategy of God? That they would gather at this festival and it's like, now's the time to do this. Now's the time I will bring my fire to bring unity. And so we see that as God's fire comes... It brings unity to people of diff- where there was ethnic and language barriers. Do you know God still does this today? Our friends at the community of celebration, it's one form of tongues that God gives. It's, a, it's one of the ways that God gives the gift of tongues to the people of God, is to actually give them someone else's actual language. And so our friends at the community of celebration... On a Friday night a couple decades ago, um, one of them got a tongue and prayed it out. And as they did, there was someone in the room who knew the language. And they didn't just have the interpretation, they had the translation of the tongue. They knew what, they were sa- what she was saying verbatim, and it was a message of Jesus. But regarding Babel, Babel is what the Bible Project calls the Babylon ideal, where it signifies anything that tries to build its own name and its own glorification, unto its own glorification. But it is building unity absent of God. So in building unity absent of God, it leads always to division, violence, homogeneity, right? Meaning just like sameness of race, sameness of one kind of thing. It doesn't bring unity and diversity. And so it's dangerous. Like the worst kind of example of this, right, is Hitler and Nazi Germany. But you know, today in a globalized society, tribalism is higher than ever. By that I mean, right, people, it's so easy to connect around an idea. And the problem with that, when that idea or that ideal is absent of Jesus, then it leads to division at best and violence at worst. But conversely, Jesus shows us something different at Pentecost. And so it's interesting because for centuries prior to that, we see a prophetic picture in the way they celebrated this festival that points to what Jesus did to bring unity. And so what they would do on Pentecost every year, they would wave two loaves of leavened bread. And you might ask, why leavened? Well, do you remember I mentioned unleavened bread at the beginning? It means being without sin. So the leavened bread represented man, okay? 
But why two loaves? Why two loaves? It says in this passage that there was Jew and Gentile alike. That this was a prophetic picture that through Jesus Christ, Jews and Gentiles would be brought together. This only can happen, brothers and sisters, because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Only the Spirit of God can bring the unity of race, class, ethnicity, gender, generations, the gifts, right? Any other kind of unity that's brought together apart from that seeks cultural uniformity. It seeks uh, to cleanse of ethnic identity, but not here. We see a unity in diversity through this unique new covenant witness because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Zane, can you put on the screen the next slide? The scriptures tell it best when they say, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself our new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body reconciling both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. Through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So only by the Spirit of God can we be unified in diversity and it, 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 it um, enhance our diversity. And how many of you know that Jesus didn't just fulfill Pentecost on that day 2,000 years ago? He's fulfilling it still today. And my main point is that Jesus is still pouring out his spirit on his church and growing her in unity, in numbers, and in diversity. How is he doing this? To understand better, we've got to look back at the beginning of the biblical narrative. Even before Babel, all the way back at the beginning of Genesis, we see there was a cosmic fracture between man and God. And during that time, God is so grieved that man is exceedingly wicked like never before. And God says, I am going to, in his grief, cleanse the earth with a flood. He's going to purify the earth with a flood. But he would preserve and bless the nations through one family line of a man named Noah. Now, track with me here. Focus really extra hard this morning. Ask the whole... Focus... By the Spirit of God. Make it, like Joel said, a choice with your soul. Or, yeah, Jake said, make a choice. Make a choice. Tell your soul. I'm going to really focus on this because this is kind of heady stuff, but I think it's super important for us this morning. I've referenced it one other time a while ago, but I want to talk about it again because I think it's significant for us. So, in Noah's day, his name means comforter, and it's, it's one of the names of the Holy Spirit. And he would... He would preserve and bless the nations. And this flood would come and cleanse uh, the land at this time. If you could put up the next slide. It says, In Noah's day, the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. Okay. The Holy Spirit is really into the number 120, okay? 
So when Solomon brought the ark into the temple, there were 120 priests blowing trumpets and the spirit of God falls uh, and they cannot continue to perform their earthly duties. Here there are 120 believers and they are gathered together in the upper room waiting on the Holy Spirit to come and the Holy Spirit falls on the 120 believers. And here it says he won't strive, he won't contend with man forever and he won't live longer than 120 years. On one level, he's saying, right, man isn't going to live past 120 anymore. I'm not striving with man forever. He used to live a lot longer than that. But on another level, what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit's activity would decrease among God's people throughout the Old Covenant from Genesis to Malachi to where, by the end of the Old Testament, they begin a period of 400 years of silence. God's people not hearing God's voice. Not hearing his voice for generations of time between the Old and the New Testament. 400 years of no voice. The Bible says that his voice is spirit and life. And that he would, there would be no voice, no words of God that the people discerned or perceived over that period of time. But when Jesus came, brothers and sisters, when the glory of God fell 400 years after 400 years of silence and came through the Virgin Mary, when the glory of God came and inaug he inaugurated his kingdom, he fulfilled the prophecy of the increase of my government and peace. There shall be no end. Brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't just fulfill Pentecost on that day 2,000 years ago. He's still fulfilling it. There is still an increase of the Spirit of God and His move in the earth to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And as the waters cover the seas, so will the knowledge. That's the encounter. <laughs> That's the knowing of God will cover the earth. Brothers and sisters, this is some of what it means to go from glory to glory. There is a flood. There is a flood that has come. The flood of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that 3,000 people are saved a day according to the National Evangelical Association? 3,000 people were saved there that day. There is an increase in the Holy Spirit's activity among us unto ultimately Jesus' return. How does he do it? How is it possible that that happens today? That which happened, it was such a miracle in the day about which we read. Well, the Bible Project has a, uh, they have a really cool study on anointing. And in it, they talk about how among God's people in the Old Testament, there were some priests who were anointed to carry his presence. There were some prophets who were anointed to carry his word and his purpose. There were some uh, kings who were anointed to carry his rule, right? But only a few, right? Only a few over time. Uh, but now, through the new covenant in Jesus' blood, we as God's children carry, walk in all three of those. We're a prophetic people. We hear his voice and follow him, right? We 
know the word of God and his purposes. We are a priestly people. The Bible calls us a royal priesthood of believers, a priestly people who carry his presence, who carry his glory to a lost world. We are a kingly people. I mean, you too, ladies. We are a kingly people. And by that, I mean that God has deputized us to rule in the earth. And what do I mean by that? But to have authority to release his power to make right what's wrong. Right? God has given, he has called us to be prophets, priests, and kings as the people of God. As a witness to the world today. And that is why the fire rested on each individual, right? Because the Bible calls each of us a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible calls God's whole church as one collective church in Scripture, a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we see the fire fall as it used to on the temple building or space in the Old Testament, we see that he falls now on the people of God. We are anointed brothers and sisters. We walk in the anointing of a priest. We carry the glory of God to people. We walk in the anointing of a prophet. We have words and purpose to release to people's lives. We walk as kings administering the power of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, do you know that this week I've seen, I've been witness to Christ's church carrying his glory as priests. I've seen people be ushered into the presence of God and experience a measure of his healing through intimacy with him, through the breaking off of shame with him. I've seen, I've been witness to this week, the authority of God to drive out demons. And if he drives out demons, that means the kingdom of God has come upon somebody. I've seen the authority of Jesus through the people of God. I've seen this week the prophetic witness of the church to bring encouragement and comfort to the people of God. I've seen someone be prophesied over. A word of God that broke things off their life and brought them into a new place, their rightful inheritance in Christ. We see the 120 activated in this passage. But unto what? The purpose in this passage is that they would reach people with a message of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just that they would be perceived as drunk in the moment, right? <laughs> God wasn't so interested in the manifestations, nor should we be. However, we should welcome how he comes because if carrying his glory is proportionate to reaching people in our context, then I want more of what he has no matter how he comes. Amen? Can we trust God and his goodness in the way he comes? Peter would have likely preached on the south steps of the temple there about a quarter mile walk uh, to the entrance of the temple. People came from all over the world to celebrate this festival. And God's spirit falls and brings unity to the people. And it leads to signs, wonders, and miracles, and more come to Christ. Jake, if you can come and play. 
So a good sermon always has an application at the end, right? So <laughs> it's important that I talk to you about some application here because I would be remiss not to mention the forerunner ministry that preceded this occurrence. You see, what we didn't read and what I didn't say yet is that they were ceaselessly praising in an upper room following a command of Jesus to wait in the upper room until you've been clothed with power from on high. I shared this dream a couple years ago. I'll share the shortened version of it now. I, was, uh, I had a dream of our church family gathering in an upper room uh, of a building we were about to renovate. And uh, we prayed quickly to start to work in the building. And after we finished praying, I said to my sister, if we wait in the upper room, he'll come. And there was more to the dream, but the point, brothers and sisters, is that God calls us to, and we, we read this this morning, to wait on the Lord until he comes. Jesus said, if my people who are chosen, who cry out to me for justice day and night, if they call out to me, will I not come to them? But when I come, not if, but when I come, Will I find faith in the earth? <laughs> what is our waiting game like? What is our capacity or ability to wait on the Lord until he comes? You know, the saints of old and certain streams of our faith uh, hold, used to hold tarrying services. A tarrying service is just waiting on the Lord. We're going to wait and wait and wait some more, but we're going to do it actively in worship because we believe we're not looking for him to do something particular. Uh, the founder of our movement, A.B. Simpson, called it um, ex being expectant, but without agenda. <clears throat> that we're not looking for him to come in some certain way, some preconceived notion, but we expect in faith that he will come. And so we're going to wait until he comes. We do this at what we call it upper room, obviously, after that passage, and we have upper room tonight. But like upper room is a lot of that, right? It's no, we're seeking God. We're going to have some extended time of worship and prayer to encounter him, to wait for him until he comes. What is the assignment for the night? Whether it's an intercession or whether it's to hallow his name, right? Well, Messianic Jewish scholar Jason Sobel, he says that unity is the foundation. Unity is the foundation of presence, power, and provision. And that our, our um, capacity for God's presence, his power, and provision is proportionate, therefore, to our unity. How unified are we? Unity comes, brothers and sisters in large part from corporate encounter with God. It's not the only way unity comes, to be sure. But Jesus said, I've shared with them my glory that they would have complete unity and the world would know it's loved as the Father loves me. That it would be unto reaching the world with what the Father's really like. This unity that comes from his glory, right? This unity that comes from his glory. And the Bible also talks about this unity like this. 
unity in the faith and unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. That is, again, the contact knowledge, the encounter with the person, the manifest presence of Jesus Christ. That it's this kind of unity that God poured out on Pentecost that day that we can walk out together every day. He promises to pour out his spirit and he's pouring it out. And I am excited for this season because God is growing our capacity to receive what he's pouring out as a house of praise. And I want to read this in closing because I don't want to leave any of it out. But I believe the Lord spoke this, is speaking this over us. Our coming together is symbolic of Pentecost and the timing is significant because God is bringing the spirit of praise that was on David, a fresh Pentecost on us. People will be released in their callings and gifts and will go forth from here in signs and wonders and salvations. And others from the tab will call people from this house of prayer. And we will rejoice in both our coming in and our going out and will summon people to this house of prayer. Praise and worship, and they will feast on the abundance of this house, the revelation of Jesus. And this will be a blessing for all nations. Amen.